Hello, y'all. Time for everyone's probably least favorite part of the pod. Uh, before we get to the interview with Spears, which I'm sure everyone is just excited as hell for, and it's a great pod. It was great catching up with him. I will be dissecting running backs. So running backs are, for those, but obvious, but it's it's bears repeating, are the skeleton tee to fantasy success. I think that this is this is like really what makes the engine go. If you don't have a good read on running backs, if you can't really ever figure this out, you will never really be able to have long-term success in fantasy. I really, there's just no other more important and crucial position to be good on. And there's also, convert, uh, not surprisingly, there's also no more of a difficult position to get a read on. I mean, there are literally, I mean, I'm looking at right off the top of my head, you have the head coach playing call test tendencies, the game script, the talent of the RB, the age of the RB, the quality of the quarterback, the offensive line rating, have they done it before? If they have done it, when did they do it? Was it the end of the year or the beginning of the year? Do they catch passes? Do you think they're going to get the goal line touches? How many other RBs are in the backfield? I mean, there are literally probably dozens of variables to really consider when you're analyzing running backs. And I really think that there's no other position that, uh, you, there's no more important position and it's the most difficult. And this is kind of where it all comes to a head. So before I get into guys that I like, I will first start off with some just high level items here. So I know I just rattled off about, I guess it was, I don't know how many it was, but like maybe a dozen variables. Uh, and they're all important. They're all, they're all things I consider. If there's one piece of fantasy advice that I could give people, and I honestly, this is, if you don't listen to anything else, I think, and I don't know how many people do this. I don't think it's as many as it should, I just based on how people draft. If there's one piece of advice that I just, I cannot emphasize enough when you are looking at RBs, never in a million, always, always, always look at the offensive line rating of the running back you are drafting. There, this is, I don't know how many people are doing this, but it is where I start all of my fantasy analysis. PFF, pretty much any site, except for, you know, any any decent fantasy site will give you offensive line ratings. There is nothing more crucial than knowing that. I'm of the opinion, and I think most people are, that like running backs for the most part, you know, some are more talented than others, but what plays a far bigger role in their success is the offensive line rating. And it will never cease to amaze me how guys will routinely take people in the first couple of rounds who are running behind a porous offensive line. Case in point was Kenyon Drake and Joe Mixon last year. Those are two guys that were running. The Cardinals was a bottom, I think bottom seven, maybe bottom five odds of the line. Bengals were about the same last year. There's just, I will never take one of those. I will never take a running back who's even behind a bottom 10 offensive line in the first couple of rounds. And honestly, I don't really like taking any running backs running behind a bottom 10 offensive line. If I have to, I will. Sometimes that's just how it goes. You can't get blue chippers all over the place. But I will always, always monitor the offensive lines and who's good and who's not. And there's really that is really far more determinate. And that is really how, when I'm thinking about waiver wire pickups, this is where it's also super crucial. When it's like, for example, I was willing to spend money on Jeff Wilson Jr. last year because Jeff Wilson Jr. is a running back for the 49ers, and the 49ers have a top 10 offense of the offensive line. So that's the knowing the offensive line ratings at all times will not only help you on draft day, but will be crucial when you're trying to figure out which running backs 
you really want to go big on when you're trying to figure out the waiver wire. Um, some of the other things I think are also worth um, keeping in mind, like I said, the game script, the age of the running back, have they done it before, do they catch passes, all these sorts of things. I think how I typically kind of run through my analysis when I'm looking at running backs is I almost just keep it in like a check, like a checklist. And I kind of run through all of those variables and I just think to myself, is that a plus for that running back? Is it a minus for that running back? Or is it a, I don't know, too tough to tell for that running back? And I typically don't really like running backs. If they're, if the don't knows and the negatives combined are more than the goods, I really don't like drafting them, you know? And I think that on top of all this, so you have all these variables and then you also have to consider the... I guess, the the value of which you're getting them. So I think a good example is someone like Kareem Hunt, who I still think is underdrafted this year. He's going in the same spot. I don't know why. He, he returned value last year. He'll return value again if he stays healthy. Kareem Hunt is a great guy, and it also gets into another rule I like to follow. Um, when you have like kind of those quasi-committee backfields, it's never a bad look to get the second running back. So a really good example of this is Jamal Williams, who's now with the Lions, but last year was with the Packers. That was a great pickup by Ian Kyle, right? Like, Jamal Williams is the perfect type of guy where if Aaron Jones gets injured, he immediately vaults into quasi-RB1 status, and then, but reciprocally, still has flex value. So guys that fall like this, are, another good example is Kareem Hunt is a, is a good example of a guy like this. Um, a guy that, like, could be example of this perhaps is, like, Trey Sermon, depending on that backfield. That backfield might be a little bit more committee, but... It's, you're always trying to get, when a backfield is a little muddy and you're not sure who's going to be the lead, who's going to be what, just take the cheapest one, especially if they're running behind a good offensive line. Those are things that I really, really like because what, it, what will always inevitably happen is that some guy will kind of screw up the draft and they'll take only maybe take like four running backs, one of which busts, the other one gets injured, and now they're just like two, like one of their guys might be like Philip Lindsay, and it's like, oh boy, I have Philip Lindsay and you know, like Sony Michelle, and you're just like, holy cow, this is, I just need something here. I gotta get something. So then a guy like Jamal Williams perhaps becomes pretty valuable, you know? So I, it's always nice for me to have guys that like have a role in an offense and can do it well. So I think with running back, that's that's super important to, to consider with those guys. Other things to keep in mind is head coaching play calls. So I'll get a little bit into head coaching in the next pod and kind of like how I think about that. But it's really important to consider head coaches. And this is a big reason why I really like San Francisco running backs at all times. A big reason why I think like Nick Chubb is a great pickup too. Reason why I even like, like Sean McVay. Like really good offensive coaches. I, you know, it's kind of interesting in this league where the league's going to super passing and like you see the Bills and the Chiefs and, and they're really passing the ball and running is kind of secondary. But what I found is that coach, really good offensive coaches still also really understand the value of having a, a running game that people respect and can get you into play action and can get you into some boxes that you can really take advantage of deep. And so really good offensive play coaches are good at dialing up runs that are successful. So I'm always looking for, like Cam Akers would have been a great selection this year. He's out. Daryl Henderson then obviously spots up, although I don't, I'm not as big a fan of Daryl Henderson. I don't think he's... There's a reason they drafted Cam Akers right after they drafted Daryl Henderson. I don't think they love him. But regardless, that's my point, right? Like, you have McVay, you have LaFleur, you have Stefanski in Cleveland. Like, you have these guys who not only 
understand the value of running the ball, but also are very good at dialing up plays to do so. So I think you really want to be aware of that. And and then reciprocally, then you want to be aware of coaches who aren't very good at it. So I think like a good example was Matt Patricia for, and I went against myself here. So Matt Patricia for the Lions is a good example. Like that was a guy, wasn't really an offensive play caller, has a good running back in DeAndre Swift, but DeAndre, you know, he's a pretty talented guy, but like you're, he's running behind an average offensive line with a, with a non-creative calling coach. It's just like you're, you're immediately capped in my mind with that sort of running back. You know, mediocre offensive line, not a great play calling head coach. doesn't matter how talented that RB is. You're just pretty capped at, at the best he could do. So I think it's always important to really consider those things. Um, another thing, another yellow flag for me, and this is the Kenyon Drake rule, although a bunch of people, Monte Ball even fall into this, is the running back who performs at the end of the year. This is at, almost every year there's a guy who gets super – Miles Sanders was one year, Jonathan Taylor a bit this year, Kenny Drake was last year or two years ago, I should say, where they get really hot at the end. And you always have to be wary of the guys that get hot, especially if they haven't been playing much because what in, what just ends up happening is these guys are just fresh. That's all that it is. You know, they are – you get these defenses. They're, you know, maybe they're playing second, third string guys. They all have like – a, a, a strained hamstring, they got a shoulder stinger, turf toe, whatever. They're all dealing with something. No one's healthy. And you have this one guy who's just like, oh, I feel great. Like, I've only taken 25 hits this year. Like, I am ready to go. And they're just run their asses off. And they, they just kind of get, it's almost like they're supercharged. It's kind of like in Blitz when you've like, you're on fire. You know, it's it's kind of like how those guys are. So, and every year, those guys always get hot at the end. It rate it artificially inflates their ADP, and then guess what? They return back down to earth once they're healthy alongside everyone else, right? So, I think that's one. Always beware of the late bloomer. I, I, I very rarely think they pan out. Um, you know, some other things like will they get goal line touches? How many RBs are in the backfield? There's really no rules I have for that. You just kind of got to read the training reports, get an idea of like if this guy's good, if this guy isn't. There's really no tips there. I just you have to be aware of those components and also kind of relating like okay, if this person's going in the third round, given like their murky backfield, does he have to perform? Like, is he being drafted at his ceiling or his floor? You know, so you can kind of apply that analysis to anyone, but always good to keep those things in mind around how many RBs and goal line touches. Um, the last kind of cardinal rule that I have when it comes to RBs, and this is one I routinely break every year, and I am not breaking it this year, is beware the re- aging running back. Beware the expired milk. I've done it. I did it Jay Ajay one year. Last year, I did Melvin Gordon. I would have done, done James Cotter last year if Phil didn't take him right before me. Um, these guys are just no good. I mean, like, James Conner is another good... I'm not touching James Conner. He is washed up. Like, most of the time, the thing you want to be careful... Like, change of scenery for running backs doesn't really work. You know, it, it, people want it to work... It never really does. Like, running backs are really one team, and once they move on to the next team, they're kind of washed up at that point, in my mind. I, like, a lot of people, like, try and make that play, you know, like Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell are good examples of guys who are really good at a team, and then they go someplace else, and people are like, well, you know, it got kind of ugly at the end, he wasn't as good, you know, he's in a new system, he's fresh, he's healthy, they're washed at that point, like, if, if if it's gotten acrimonious between the team, then the team knows that, that they're... What I always think is that, like, 
what the team is seeing every day in training camp and on practice field and just how they're running, they're way closer to it. And if they're kind of like, eh, then guess what? You should be like, eh. You know, they might have a few couple good games. You know, Melba Gord is able to salvage some value by some touchdowns, but those guys are just not someone you want to get. They're just very low ceiling, low floor. You know, they're just, they're like, they'll be okay. You'll never be excited that you have them. You'll really never be able to trade them because everyone's like, those guys are washed. Um, and so just beware of the age. I, I just don't ever take a running back who's on a new team who had some success previously. I just I just don't think it ever works. Beware of the age of running back. Um, so that's kind of my high-level stuff. So do with that what you will. Like I said, I'll kind of connect this a little bit better when I go through head coaches and head coaches that I like. But as far as running backs that I like. So, you know, this year with running backs, I think – so for me, it's, it's difficult because – you know, I think if you're in the top four, top five, you are looking at, I mean, it's pretty easy, right? You get your CMC, Dalvin, Zeke, Derrick Henry, Kamara. Um, of those guys, I think Kamara scares me the most just because, you know, I think the Saints could be a bit of a dumpster fire, but um, they're all good. I personally, I think after Zeke, Dalvin, and CMC, I would think about, I'm not bullshitting here, like I would think about Devontae Adams. I he's just so safe and with the way that Aaron Rodgers goes I don't think I just think that um I'm less inclined to go uh the Kamara Henry route but again I won't begrudge anyone those are your top five if Adams goes six it's not the end of the world um and then you get into the next round so you have like your Chubbs your Jonathan Taylors your Najee Harris's Aaron Jones um you know, for me, I'm not sure exactly what I'm doing yet. You know, I like Eckler. I'm in a difficult spot because, like, for me, I think there's a lot of value for running backs in the middle rounds. So, like, I, I still like Kareem Hunt. Um, like I said, I really like any San Francisco running back. So whether that be Sermon or Mostert, uh, Damian Harris out of New England, I like too. I think there's a lot of guys, Michael Carter, um, there's a lot of guys in that middle round that I, I think there's some value in. So as a result, I'm not as confident. Again, I'm, I'm really batting it back and forth because if I don't go a running back in, in the first two picks, like if I do tend to go the Ridley Diggs, um, you know, I just, I, I then I'm pretty much doomed to a life of like, I won't have an elite running back, you know, and I could come around on a Montgomery or a Carson at the end of three and four. Um, but I don't know how I feel about that. You know, I think that Aaron Jones is a good guy, but then if I get Aaron Jones, I pretty much have to go get A.J. Dillon at least a round or two earlier than I'd like. So, you know, for me, um, I'm not super, like, uh, you know, I'm not super, like, I don't know what I'm going to do just yet. You know, I, I, I think I'd like to go to, but then I, I, I really, I like Calvin Ridley a lot. It's Diggs, who I'm not as sure on. I don't know if I want to go Ridley and Diggs. So I'm still trying to parse that one through. You know, as far as guys that, like, I, I do like, I think uh, Chris Carson's still solid. I, I feel like Chris Carson... I've never had Chris Carson, mainly because I feel like he always gets picked up, but he's always just been really solid. Um, I'd be thrilled if I got him at the end of the third, start of the fourth. Um, so, you know, I guess, like, another thing, too, is that... And I don't know how much, like, people know about this or want to take stock in it but I think rookie running backs are worth their weight in gold and I and there's a lot of intriguing ones the ones I'm most intrigued of are the pretty obvious ones I you know like Najee Harris I don't think I'm going to take um 
mainly because I, I think I like Aaron George more than Andy Harris, but he's great. But guys who I'm more interested in just on the, where they're getting drafted out of where I'll be at are Travis Etienne um, and Trey Sermon. I, I both think are really good looks. Um, I think Trey Sermon's ADP makes absolutely no sense to me. I I don't really care. Like Trey Sermon is the guy who's like Jonathan Taylor. That guy can be a league winner. There is no... You're getting a really good runner behind San Francisco's offensive line, behind Mostert, who's never played 16 games. I mean, Trey Sermon going in round... He's going in, like, rounds fucking 13. Insanity to me. Trey Sermon, like, is... Like, that is such a no-brainer for me. I think he's going to be, like, in the backfield from the jump. And he's going to be kind of what I wanted Jonathan Taylor to play last year until Marlon Mack um, had that catastrophic injury of, like... Guys that provide, I there is no player I like more at running back than guys that provide standalone value as a flex play, and then are one injury away from being a quasi RB one. If there's one, those guys are so valuable. It's like having a down D card. I it is like those guys. I I could like I love them. I, there is no more valuable play. You get the value of them, and you also like you're, it's just they're great. So I think you got to be aware of those guys. You know, I think there's some other guys, too. I like Gus Edwards, Naheem Hines, um, or some late-round flyers I'm into, but that's pretty much where I'm at right now. So we'll see how it goes. Like Again, I'm, I'm still early on, so some of this might change, but um, yeah, that's pretty much it on running back. So uh, I hope this was useful, and uh, we can get on to the rest of the pod. Take it easy. Welcome to, I guess this would be the third episode of season four, and I am really thrilled to be doing this with Connor Spears, who I should now be referring to as Dr. Spears. Holy shit. Connor, how you doing? I'm good, my man. Good to hear from you. How's it going? It's going good, my dude. I can't, I really can't believe that we officially have a doctor in the group. I feel like if we were placing bets on the doctor in our friend group, you would have been probably pretty good odds to not but here we are you're a freaking doctor man it's crazy dude it's been a long time coming for sure how does it feel so you were talking a little bit off the pod let folks know because this test you had to take was nuts this whole it's a freaking marathon man literally yeah dude it was it was brutal for sure um they, they recommend you study for like six to eight weeks for it and you guys know me. I'm a bit of a procrastinator. <laughs> I was probably more at like the two and a half week mark, just binging every day, like 10, 12 hour days, pretty much. Oh, but man. the test itself was like, it was brutal. It was like six hours long, 225 questions. All the math was not multiple choice. You had to type the answers in, but <sighs> we made it through. It was a, it was a, it was a truly a miracle. When I left that place, I wasn't really sure how it was going to end up, but we ended up on the right side of things. Great, man. Well, that is wonderful to hear. What is the pass rate for that exam on the first time? You know what? I don't know. That's a good question. Hmm, that'd be interesting. I'm to sure know. they break it. I'm sure they break it down by schools because I think that's how um, oh, I'm sure. accreditation gets granted to schools by what their pass rate is for the Maplex. Yep. Well, there we go. But all my homies, all my school homies, Oh, we all passed on the first try, so we're all sitting pretty. Oh, great. Now, I think it's a good time. So I know for folks who might not be aware, you're heading out to Chicago. Is that right? Are any of your West Virginia homies beating you out there? No, none of them. Are, I think they're staying back in the hill. But, mm. uh, yeah, that's the 
that's the plan as of now. I just got my Ohio pharmacist license today, actually. Um, and before I head out to Chicago, uh, that involves taking another test and getting licensed in Illinois. But yeah, that's, that's going to be the move. Holy cow. So it's going to be you, Dan, and uh, Gertz out there. And NFL Sundays are going to be nuts. Oh, my gosh. The three of you. What a delight that's going to I'm already jealous of those Sunday mornings for you. Great, great for you guys, man. So much Joe Burrow talk. <laughs> oh, my. Poor Dan is going to be right in the middle of it. Right in the middle, sitting on the couch between me and Gertz. Oh, well, you know, we can't – to put – folks' concerns at ease, I assure them that we will have a fully dedicated time to Bengals talk, so I don't want to get too far into that. But I uh, got a really exciting pod here today for you. The first thing we wanted to do, I know some folks are probably going to groan, um, but we wanted to take a look back at the 2020, the 2020 championship analysis here. Um, I know we can kind of talk through what we were feeling. I know you have the scores. uh you have the score up and kind of, you know, walking as we would kind of do some uh, post-game analysis six months later on this game. And so Spears, you, I'll, I'll send it over to you. Let, let me know as is, is your, as your, well, first off, have you looked much at fantasy in terms of research, in terms of your team? How's it been in your kind of a uh, hibernation mode since the season ended? Um, since the seat, to be honest, I haven't really touched fantasy since that, uh, Fateful, fateful evening in uh, whenever that was, January, December, when I lost to you. Um, that's been on the back burner pretty much since then. Yeah, I've had my head in the, I've had my head kind of in the books, but I actually just started digging back into research for this year, uh, this week, and I forgot how much I love it. <laughs> just crunching crunch numbers, just deciding who your guys are, looking for who you're targeting in the draft. It's just, so, it's just so much fun. I mean, I completely agree. It, it just catches you like a uh, – and it's really good. Like, So I, I started it probably back at like end of – like usually August 1st is when I am really start hitting it. July is kind of perusing. But the first – we are really – the middle of August is just primo, primo fantasy time. You're getting all the preseason talk. You're getting all the training camp news. The ADPs actually are starting to make sense. I mean – this is where champions are made in the, this these moments right here, you know. Right, right, right. You really gotta you gotta have a good idea of the fluidity of the league heading into the draft weekend. You gotta know who's up and down. Yes. You know, you, you gotta keep in mind who your targets are. You gotta stay true to those. Um. Yeah, man, it's just a, it's just an exciting time. My toes are starting to tingle just thinking about it. I know, I know. So. And before we get into 2021 too much, let's let's talk. So do we, I know we did want to talk about 2020 championship a little bit. So walk me through, Spears. First off, just your team in general as you're looking back on it now and what your emotional state going into the championship was, and then just we'll talk about the game itself later. Right, right. Well, I'll back it up a little bit. Um, even going into the playoffs, I barely – I was the last – seed into the playoffs i barely i barely squeaked my way in there i'm noticing that which is kind of bizarre because your team was phenomenal how did that happen dude looking back i don't i don't really know how that happened i must have i don't really i haven't seen i haven't looked back the full season i must have been i'm imagining i lost a lot of close games but yes um i thought i thought i had a phenomenal draft last year you loved your team from the jump last year i loved my team 
and I had I knew that I didn't have like the exact setup I wanted. I knew I wanted a better running back, but I drafted players with the intention of trading them later. Hmm, interesting. So I was kind of playing the long game. It almost didn't work out for me. Well, it didn't work out for me in the long run, obviously. But, um, yeah, I barely put myself in position to get, make the playoffs. Squeaked in. Um, you, you had a great little Imhoff 1-8 seed map upset there. Well done there. You know, I didn't realize Ian was the number one seed last year. I didn't either. I, I, yeah, looking back through this, I was like, all I distinctly remember is Bennett throwing his last game. So he could play Tom. So he could play Tom. And then exactly how it went down is Tom was the only... That game was 86 to 85. Just fucking dog crap. To then Bennett squeaks into the semis with scores 86 in the quarters and then 92. Just, I mean, wow. A, a, a classic Spalding performance in the first round by Tom. I mean, that is classic. I mean, Tom Getting just... bounced in the first round. Every time. I mean, it is just... Got to be great to do. This is why I've always been a big proponent, and we'll get to rules talk. Would love to be able to pick your your. If you're the first seed, you should be able to pick your matchup because it sucks. It does suck for Imhoff because your team was way. I think your team was second in points scored or third. Super high. I mean, sucks for Imhoff in that scenario. He certainly would have picked Tom. But anyway, neither here nor there. So yeah, so you did just squeak in there, but then two. I mean, you beat Ian, and then you beat uh, Bennett pretty convincingly. And and I got to say, like, looking at this team, I mean, the Kyler-Alvin-Kamara duo, I mean, whew, that is a tough one-two punch. They're nice. <laughs> they were very nice. And then Tyreek Hill, I mean, and Kittle, what a squad. I mean, really just start to finish, what a squad. So heading into the championship, how were you feeling? Um... You know, I felt like I had the weight of the league on my shoulders. I had everyone in my corner rooting for me. Yeah. Uh, I kind of feel like I let the league down, but I felt pretty good about it. You know, I thought I really had a shot, and especially oh. that infamous Christmas Day game. By I'll Alvin never Kamara. forget it. Dude, he played, I think he was the, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he was the first player to play that championship week and he was the only one playing that day am i right you are a hundred percent correct yes so he goes out there and just has a league or a league winning performance i think he had six tutties yes he certainly 50, did. almost 50 almost 55 points and at that point i seriously thought i had it in the bag like santa like i thought christmas day is a miracle like this is mine I don't remember if I was talking shit in the group me or not, but I, I, I remember wanting to. I don't think you did. I think people were talking on your behalf. That's good by me. I'm glad I didn't because that didn't work out well. But it, I got to say, on my experience, I quite literally went through the five stages of grief. So I was at <laughs> – I'm not kidding. Like I, So I was – it was Christmas Day, right? And like, so I was with Leslie's parents and Leslie's parents at this point, this is my third Christmas with them. They know that I'm like a, an insane, an insane person when it comes to fantasy. So all day they're like, okay, Alec, how you feeling? What are you thinking? I'm like, oh, just keep my head down. And then, but Mike Chilton, so Leslie's dad is like a really smart football guy. Like was one of those sports guys that I actually like talking about sports with. He has like good, um, good takes. And he's like, Alec, like. I'd be really nervous. He knew I was going against Kamara. He's like, the Vikings are two sheets to the win. They don't give a fuck. Zimmer's lost control of the team. This could be a real tough 
Like, I, I expect the, the Vikings to kind of lay down. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, they nailed it. And I literally was like, denial, isolation. Like, I was just kind of, like, sitting alone, drinking. And then I was just so angry, just seething. And, like, Leslie's rubbing my shoulders. And I'm just like, I can't believe this. Then I start, I literally start bargaining. I'm like, okay, well, if he just ends up with 32, maybe I'll be okay. Okay, well, if it's 40, I just need really good from Devante. And then I had a small, and then I was just, I moved on to acceptance. I was like, you know what? I'm glad for you. It was a good, it was a good ride. Um, I put that Sylvester Stallone, Rocky thing in the group me, and I was like, you know, peace out. And I literally, and then I had to travel the next day. I was traveling back to Ohio. So I literally, I was like not, I was like, I'm not even watching fantasy anymore. I'll, one of my guys wrap up, uh, I'll shoot him like a congratulations text and that'll be it. And that was, oops. hello, Spears? Yeah, what's up? Oh, sorry, you cut out there. What was that? I said how the tables turned from then. Oh, I know. Well, and honestly, I don't really remember. Like I said, I didn't really watch. Were you watching games the next day? Yeah, I was watching every game. I was glued to the TV. And actually, similar to you, the day it was wrapping up when all of our players were ending, I was actually at Lucy's family's house. Ah, and I, I just saw the numbers going up and up and up and up and up on your end. And I was like, oh, my God. And it comes down to the end of it, and I, and I lost. And I and I went also went through the five stages of grief. It's intense, and man. It really in is. Front, yeah, in front of the family, like, you can't really – you, you got to put on a good face still. You can't be right. as upset as you want to be. But I wanted nothing but to just be alone in that moment. <laughs> I feel you. I, it's hard, man. It's a uh, – yeah, I've, it's – it was a wild performance, but yeah, that's it. I mean, it was uh, on to bigger and better things for 2021. I mean, so first off, you've been to the semis the past three years, right? I think that's right. Wow, so you've really solidified yourself as an, an elite owner here. So it, it's just, um, you know, you're just on to, I mean, it's just another day, another another uh, season to go out and win, you know? I mean, if you're not, for, if you ain't first or last, but I'm, I'm, on the, I'm on the precipice of greatness. Yes, you're on the precipice. Well said. And, uh, you know, I think that brings us to a, uh, speaking of the precipice, we're on the precipice of one of the best weekends, maybe the best weekend of the year, draft weekend, on its way, here we go, uh, wow, so walk walk me through, uh, first off, thoughts on the area, thoughts, you know, this is a little bit different, we're doing the cabiny thing, Colorado, kind of out in the middle of nowhere, what are your thoughts, what are you thinking? Yeah, dude, I love, I love, 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 love this cabin idea i mean i think this has been discussed on on some of the previous pods but with our group that is i think that's just all we really need just give us some casinos give us a big cabin to bro down in like like you said when we were in scottsdale we i think we went out one night like i think this really tailors to our friend group and just having a big place to all just hang out in we don't really have to worry about you know, going out and all that. We just get a bunch of beers at the at the cabin and have some very scenic views and go to the casino at night. And I think that's just going to serve our group excellently. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm really excited, I got to say, for... I think that what will be nice is we can have some... I think the natural light coming in off some sunrises will be really nice, you know? You're really big on that. You just want, you just want the natural light looking at that live draft board... In the morning, just drinking your coffee, probably wearing minimal clothing. Yeah. And uh, 
Yeah. I mean, you nailed crazy. it. You you talked me into being aroused right there. I mean, I I don't I don't really <laughs> I don't really need much else. I just think that that'll be great. I also think it'll be nice. I was scoping out. Uh, you know, I was trying to think about how draft day itself. I think we have that re- the really nice staircase at the top. We have all the we can come down. We'll have a ton of space. I think this will be our best setup for a draft day. Like in terms of like the ceremony that goes along with draft day, I think this will be by far the best. Right, and I'm I'm you nailed it there. And I think you did a really good job of taking some of the things that we wish we would have had last year. Yes, and pr- prioritizing them this year, like 100%. having the draft space and. You know, our group is big on the casinos and having an abundance of those around. It's not going to hurt. Well, might hurt some. Yeah, hopefully seriously. Not, <laughs> You're not a not big do. gambler, though, right, Spears? I feel like me and you are kind of in the same boat on that one, right? Yeah, I'm not a huge gambler. I mean, to be fair, I mean, I haven't had a full-time job yet, so that probably contributes to it a little bit. Fair. But also, I'm just... I'm, I'm a bit risk averse, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. I like to do it. It's fun to play blackjack and all that, but, um, I don't know. It just doesn't really get my, get my, uh, doesn't really rock my socks off, you know? Yeah. I'm far more in it for the community. Like I, I feel like if, if we were at blackjack and we were all on the table, I think that would be like, I think I really like it or same thing with craps. Like, if one of my friends is, like, I feel like when you do that with blackjack or craps, like, one of your friends will win money almost, right? I mean, of course the house will win, but I feel like, you know, if there's six of us versus the house, we're far more likely than if it's just, like, me, you know what I'm saying, and, like, some strangers I don't know. So I think that is what I'm most excited for is that we'll have, like, a lot. I'm expecting a lot of community gambling, which I think is, like, right. the best way to do it, you know? Yeah, I'm excited for that. And, you know what, I'm perfectly happy just sipping on my drink and cheering on my buddies and watching them win money, too, so... It's going to be a great time. Yeah. I love casinos. Yeah, it'll be fun. I think it'll be a it'll be a good time. It looks like you also put in here a little bit of a morning sunrise hike. I, I definitely didn't put that in, did I? I? I put that in there. I'm just throwing it out there. I think it's going to be kind of fun, you know? I think Depending, it's an like, excellent idea. I don't, I don't know if there's going to be trails around the area, but, you know, I know there's a, there's a few of us in the group that love to go hiking, and if we're not too brutally hungover... I think that could be a fun start to the day, you know, get the juices flowing, get some nature in you. I think it's a great idea for Friday and Saturday morning. You know, it doesn't have to be far or anything, you know, and you just go, I mean, we're going to be in the mountains for goodness sakes, you know, you don't have to go too far to get up to a good view. Agreed. Yeah. And we, uh, I, I, I can confirm that there are hikes, quite a few hikes around us. So like I said, we can just get out there, you know, you just get, I think it's a gr- I think it's very possible for Friday because we'll all be so tired anyway. You know, like, or yeah. so we're not going to go out Thursday much. So it's like Friday, we wake up, start the day up right. Maybe we bring a little flask of whiskey and just really start it off, you oh, know? Oh, yeah. You know? So that's just a little note to the league. Everyone bring a good pair of shoes to, you know, take a little stroll in. It yeah, doesn't absolutely. have to be strenuous or anything. doesn't have to be far. But I think, I, I mean, I'm if I'm in Colorado, that's something that I want to do. Yes, I completely agree. Great call. Let's just let's just book it in there. Ben always comes up with that beautiful itinerary. Bennett, let's just put a little Friday morning hike for all tw- all twelve of us should go. We really should. Yeah, all- we really should. You know, get the get the morning going. Get some get some energy in us. It's good for you. I mean, that morning. I mean, you you know too. The nice crisp morning air. It probably won't be too crisp. It'll be a little warmer, but still, that crisp mountain air. It'll be great. You know, it's good for the good for your the good for the mind. You know. 
Dude, really is. You know, I might take a little solo jaunt the day before the draft. <laughs> Clear my mind, you know, let 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 some wisdom get bestowed on me on top of a mountain. Maybe I'll have an epiphany or something. Yes, d- yeah. Come in, come in with a clear mind of the draft. Nature has all the answers, you know. Let let Emerson <laughs> be. I love it. Well, yeah, I uh, so I did I, I did want to talk about. So I know we're, something we got to talk about over unders on. So I always love this. You had one I really enjoyed on the weekend. Yeah, let me let me hit you with this. Let me let me see what you what you think about this. So yes, I'm gonna bring up the story from Chris's. It was from Chris's wedding in Michigan, I believe. We were at the casino there. And you went MIA, just missing. You, I think I think you said you were going to take a piss, but I think you were just you were you were blacked out. And you know, some time goes by, and we're like, "Where's Alec? Where's Alec? Anyone seen him?" And someone mentions that you went to the bathroom, and we're all we're, we're all trying to organize Ubers to go home, and we can't find you. And someone someone goes into the bathroom, and you're just taking a little nap on the toilet. And you're just <laughs> Just, just lights are out. You're on the toilet. So, so my over under for the weekend is over under 1.5 people getting lost or left at the casinos. Love this over under. So first off, before I go ahead and answer, I gotta say, I, before you talked about this story, I completely, which probably won't shock anyone, completely lost this memory. I had totally <laughs> forgot about this. I gotta say, your brain was not in in a, in a memory making state. No, certainly not. And I gotta say that, you know, me and bathrooms. I feel like at this point, this bathrooms are like my safe word. If someone hears me say I'm going to the bathroom and it's past like eleven thirty, twelve, you should. It should just set immediate red flares of like, okay, if he's not back in fifteen, he's out. Like I did it in, on spring break. Like I get into bathrooms and I feel, I feel kind of like a. Like a little muskrat who's found his home, and now I can le- I can let my guard down. I don't have to worry about the coyotes. I can just this is my home now. I've made it. You know, these are my four walls. <laughs> this, is, this, this is my throne. I'm good, but yeah, I uh, so great. I want to know whoever found Alec in that bathroom. Were his pants on or off? Oh. Was he in the act or was he was he just escaping? Great question. I don't even know who found me. So it clearly wasn't you then. It wasn't me. Okay. Well, there we go. Well, yeah, so I guess over under on one and a half people getting lost left the casinos. So I would, I'm going to focus on the first portion getting lost. And I'm like, so like I would classify what I did as I got, like I was lost. Like even though I was eventually retrieved, like there was time spent looking for me where no one knew where I was, you know, and we were all like, it was like impeding something going on. Like it's not like we just, you know. That's fair. And, be- and before you answer this question, there are a plethora of casinos. That's the, so it's it would, dangerous. It would not surprise me if, you know, the word gets mixed up. We end up at different casinos or something. I don't want that to happen. I'd like us to all be at the same place. But, you know, it's, it's a possibility with, with all the gambling that it, there is to have there. Right. And that doesn't even get into We could all start at the same place, but... There's also very likely that someone's like, you know, this table isn't hot. I'm, I need to get, you know, what happens if we're losing a lot? It's like I need to get away. You know, gambling is a very superstitious thing. I'm curious before I answer, in terms of the culprits, I bet it, you, on the count of three, we should say the culprit that will be most responsible, and I bet we say the same name. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. Three, two, one, Bill Stevenson. Bennett. Oh! <laughs> you said most responsible? 
No, no, no. That was gonna leave. Like responsible. Oh, oh my God. Okay, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. Sorry, still sorry. Be, still, be even, still, be even soon is gonna go on an adventure. I mean, it's a given. I mean, I don't know. And now I'm really in this moment where I've been with Bill enough, where I've gone on enough adventures, and if I'm a certain level of drunk, I will go with him on the adventure. There's no doubt in my mind. I've done it a million times. You know. Right. He loves his drunk escapades. He just, he just, he just goes. Thrives on them. So that's the thing where it's like, now you get into one and a half, I feel like is too low. I mean, the chances of Bill, you, Bill, you can just lock it in, right? I mean, just lock it in that he's going on a drunk, drunk adventure and no, and his phone will be dead and no one will know where he is, <laughs> right? I think that's a pretty safe bet. So I mean, I just. That's your one, but who's the other to, to break the 1.5? Okay. So few few guys I got in mind. I think I think Ian Kyle isn't a bad bet, although it wouldn't be. I don't think Ian Kyle would have the level of recklessness that Bill does. I feel like Ian Kyle would just be like, "Hey, I'm gonna go find something else. Just let me be for a moment." He'd come back. So I don't know if I'd really count that. We need a certain level of like this person shouldn't be on their own too much. A certain you know? level of chaos. Yes, yes. We need a chaos agent theory part of this. So. You know, as far as other people, Chris Gertz comes to mind, right? I mean, that seems like a like an easy one. What do you think about that? Yeah, that that one get hit. That one get hit for sure. Um, also comes to mind Joe. Joe. Oh, Joe, that's Joe a great one. Wild card. That's a great one. I mean, Joe. Joe's a really strong one. I think, but yeah. So that's why I think now that we've talked about it, I think that Bill's a given. In between Joe and. Um, uh, Ian Kyle, I guess, or I just feel like someone, I, I'm, I'm taking the over on the two, on the one and a half, you know? Wow. I am. I think that, I just think that, or Bill convinces me to go with him. I mean, that's certainly possible. Um, there's the two. I mean, it, it wouldn't take much. I just feel like there's too much in play to not take the over on that. I think that, I think that might be a safe call. We will see though. We will certainly see. I, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's it'll be fun. You know, I, I can't, I can't. I was will be kind of cool about Blackhawk is it does it does like obviously not to this level but it is like a little strip you know it's like it's like this main street so that's always fun too it's always nice to just have a you get to a spot and you can just kind of walk up and down I always enjoy that too right I was gonna ask about that with the distance between the mark because if it's on a strip that's not that's not a big deal but if we're taking Ubers to different uh, casinos you know yeah let's no keep our, let's keep our wits about us. Agreed. Yeah, I think that how I've understood things that I think that the major maybe not all thirteen casinos, but at least like eight or nine are right on the same little strip in Blackhawk. So um, there we go. I think that's always fun. Good for sobering up. Um, any other thoughts on draft weekend before we hit to another really crucial component that just hot off the pressers today? League change rule. League rule changes. I think I think we're ready to move on. Beautiful. Well, you know we got big. Big stuff. You know, Bennett, thank you for organizing us as always. One year, we may eventually figure out how to best address rule changes. I still think that Fez's idea around the owners meeting in the spring is really good and something that I, I would like to see us implement if possible. I think it's a great idea. Um, but here we go. I mean, it just went live today. The rules were out there. Uh, first off, I'll start with Spears. Did you propose any rule changes this time around? <laughs> Did you did you happen to peek at it yet? Oh, certainly, yes. I've already answered. Yeah, I, I did. I did. I proposed. It was kind of a joke, but I uh, I proposed to cap your weekly points at a hundred. Yes, I did. I, I I okay. There we go. Great joke. I laughed at that. I showed it to Leslie. We both enjoyed a chuckle around it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's something's gotta happen. You cannot win <laughs> four in a row. That's absurd. It was a great one, but so other than that, though, what did you think of the rules changes slate this year? Anything speak to you? It's nothing too crazy for me. I thought it's nothing too crazy. I, it's it's a lot of stuff that we talk about every year. Yes, but I think it's I think it's good that we bring it up every year to keep you know to keep the possibility of things. You don't want to stay in a stagnant state. I agree. And and I think it's good to revisit topics every year and see how people's opinions have changed. I um, I completely agree. On a lot of these ticketed items, I still feel the same way. Um, I guess we can jump into the first one. What do you What do you think about the keepers? So I think we got to do keepers. I was lukewarm on keepers last year. At this point, I, I'm I'm down with the approach. To me, doesn't make too big a deal. I think I'd rather do a free for all keepers. You can keep whoever, whether it be one or two people. Um, but I'm down for any format. I think we just have to start getting. I mean, we've been doing this format for a long time. I mean, we're, we're going to be coming up on a decade here. Like, we can really, you know, we've made some tweaks to the auction. All good tweaks. Auction waiver wire, PP, half PPR, uh, right. getting rid of bye weeks in the playoffs. But, you know, I think I think keepers is something that can add a little bit more continuity. I think it'll add a little bit more spice. Like, people declaring their keepers. I don't know. It's just an, It'll be another talking pot talking point great for content you know I, I like the i like the idea of you know you find so before i get into it how would you want to do keepers like so if you draft a gem in the fifth round do you lose your fifth round pick then that was or what was proposed yes so essentially okay. you would just get that person whatever round you took him in the previous year in the next year you would just take him in that slot okay See that that I'm alright with, but I'm I'm still on the fence about keepers. Okay. On the on the one side, I like the idea. You know, you get your guy, you fall in love with him, you want him next year. You know. Yeah. But I like I like going in every year, having the potential to have everyone or mm. have anyone. You know. That's very fair. I mean, you're not gonna. I mean, it would be it would be fun to see how people structure it. You know, are you gonna give up your first round pick for a CMC that you had last year. I think that's that's a no-brainer. I would do that. Yeah. But I don't know, man. It, 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 it's, it's definitely, it definitely would throw a wrench into the draft process. Totally. I, I think you bring up, and so in some of the formats outlined, Bennett had like, you could only keep, keep a keeper in your rounds like 7 through 10 or 5 through 10. To kind of okay. like mitigate what you're describing, so that like you know, for, for example, if Bill, you know, Bill gets CMC, but like again, I don't know. I I, <clears throat> I, I see on on both sides. I think that w- what you were speaking to around the strategy around keepers, I think makes it really fun, especially if you don't have that like round specific rule and you can keep whoever. I think it'd be really fun. I think maybe two players. Two players is what was outlined in the in the doc. I think you could keep it to one, but I think it'd be, yeah. it adds just another layer of strategy of like. Do I think this player is going to be good? Do I not think this player is going to be good? Like, you know, if I got, right. like, for you, you got Kyler Murray in the fifth. Like, would you like would you keep him? Would you keep Kamara? Would you keep anyone from last year's so team? So how th- that brings up a good point. How would that work if I ended the season with Kamara on my team, but I didn't draft him? Ooh, I, that's a great I tra- point. I traded for him. So would I lose the, the two players that I the two uh, draft spots that I used to draft the players that I traded for Kamara? 
Oh, man, Spears. Transferring rights. Now we're getting in the good shit. See, in my mind, I think what would be simplest is that you essentially... You just take wherever that player was drafted. So, like, now you have Kamara, and okay. now you also get his keeper rights, essentially, with that trade. Like, So, Joe drafted him in the first round, so I would, if I were to keep him, I would lose my first round pick. Exactly, yeah. That's how okay. I would think of it, to keep it simpler, but you bring up a great topic. I don't know, like, I, I literally just thought about that for 10 seconds before I answered. There, That's a great thing to call out. I don't know how we would approach that. Right. I think there's a lot of things that we would have to, that we may not figure out until we do it. Yeah, um, and you can certainly you know, guess those keepers. Those points of contention for sure. If we oh, move yeah. into that without have without thinking through all the all the all the nits and bits of it. And you can certainly guarantee that Bill will find some slimy shit to to, to, some to do. Loophole, yeah, some some loophole for sure. Um, yeah, it's a great point. Yeah, it's like I said, I'm into keepers. I would like to see what the rest of the league is. I think it was pretty close to passing this year. Um, so who knows? You know, you you show up. You, you know, you show up with the fireman's outfit and the cuffs once you get turned down you try it again see what happens you know that's how i think right. about so it if, so if this gets approved it wouldn't go into effect this draft correct correct right it would be next to okay. you yeah exactly okay yeah, um, something to keep in mind amen so this next topic i gotta say i'm very i i really don't give a shit either way i feel like this leaving espn platform kind of feels like brexit to me i i don't I feel like this is a grass is greener thing. I don't really have any problems with ESPN. But if people are really on board, I volunteered to run the pilot program on Yahoo or whatever site we want to do. Um, but I'll probably be voting against this most likely. Right. Uh, you know, this is just a deep-seated hate for ESPN for me. But you well, hate them just, because you call them the SEC network. They just spew <laughs> SEC bias. It's ridiculous. Also... It doesn't. It doesn't help that their fantasy advice is just trash. That like does. Bill you're right. Br- Bill bringing a ESPN draft sheet to the draft is just like what? What are we doing? I mean, it's 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 really is the kiss of death, and I really just don't. I don't foresee a world like Bill. This is going to get brought up all the time now. Like we now have a joke to make at Bill's expense around using ESPN as his like source of truth. I mean, it's preposterous. Right. The one thing that we would lose is all the, I mean, we could still access it, I'm sure, but all the leaked data is on there from all the previous years, which is fun to look back on. Yeah, and I think Bennett, I mean, Bennett's the data expert, so I'm sure he could kind of help us work through and make sure that we always have that at least archived in some way, but yeah, I'm not super into leaving ESPN. Like, like you pretty much said things like that are not with the platform itself, just like you don't like that ESPN spouts SEC yeah, yeah. stuff and is shit. Exactly. It has nothing to do with the operating system. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's good. It works for what we need. Um, I just don't like ESPN. Yeah, that's fair. Well, we'll see how it goes. I don't know. I don't really have any other takes on that one. I am curious to see what what people's like platform complaints are about ESPN. I don't really know. I haven't really seen any. Um, yeah. I think it's a good idea. We definitely need to pilot other sites before we make a decision. 100%. That's the best idea of it, for sure. I think it's so smart. Yep, he is. Okay, well, great. Well, I know I know your opinion on this um, auction draft. You're a big no on this, right? I, I don't like the auction draft. You're not a fan? Not a fan. I mean, I like that we did the auction waiver wire. I think that's a great, that's a great addition. But I'm just not ready to move to the auction draft. That's just another – that is just so much more preparation. 
It is. It, it truly, I mean, there's no doubt that it's a lot more preparation, for sure. And I think it would make the league much more divided. It, oh, there interesting. The, there will be the haves and the have-nots. <laughs> there, will be, there will be the people who have done their research and, and, great, and make great picks and spend wisely, and then there will be the people that spend all of their money on a couple of players, and then the rest of the roster is shit. And then inevitably, as the year progresses, as the season progresses, their team is shit. They're put in a position where they need to make a trade to make their team better, and then and then the halves get more good players. Yeah, I mean, this is, and that that I mean, that's here we go. Like Spears twenty twenty four, you know, on the on the. I don't know how. You know, for me, I like auction. I'm kind of cooling on it, just mainly because I don't think a lot of folks in the league are super... In- I know Ian Kyle, I feel like, is the only person who's into auction draft. Um, but I completely agree that it's something that, like, I almost feel like this needs to pass with a super majority, honestly, because it, it is such a foundational change. And, like, what, like, you said it best, like, you can still be okay in this with the snake system, but if you go to auction, like, it is a lifestyle change. Like, you can't do two days' worth of prep prior. Like, you will it, you will right. kind of get blasted off, you know, I think. Right. We're, we're going to have $54 spent on Benny Snell during the draft, and then, you know, yeah. what do you have left? So, yeah, I, I think that auction draft, I don't think it's ever been close to passing, and I don't think it's going to get there this year, but... Um, the last one, which wasn't in the rule sheet, so I don't know how kosher this is, but I, I'm, I think we need absolute. I can't believe we haven't instilled this yet. We need to do something to reward first and second seeds more. We just have to. Yeah, I'm disappointed that none of us thought to add this to the ballot this year because it gets talked about. And we talked about it last years. year. We talked about it last year. I, it just slipped my mind. I didn't think to propose it. Me too. But I love the idea of the first and second seeds picking their opponents in the playoffs. It's a great or anything we if people don't like that. Or maybe how, in the first seed. What? Maybe even just the first seed. I yeah. don't know how that would work. I'm open to tweaking it, but I just think like with the way our draft is set up where eight teams make the playoffs, like we are set up as a chaos league, which is fine. It makes it fun, but at the same time it's like I think if you get the first or second seed, it's worth you've done a good job. Like you should be it, we've it's seen it too many times. Like the past two years, Gertz hit me in the first round, and then Ian hit. I mean, the eight seed has beat the one seed twice now. You know, right? In back to back years, rewards you for having a good, a good fantasy season, right? Which is what we should be doing. You know, I if you if you finishes if you have the most wins, like you had a decent enough team. Yeah, and I think that we should be doing more to help those people out. You know. I agree. Bennett, is there a way that we can add that to the docket this year? Yeah, Bennett. Let's see what you're doing. You're the commissioner. Help us out here. Um, Send out another uh, another poll for that one. Any other like on the docket rule changes, midnight rule changes? We want to slip in there. Anything else? Um, none that I can think of. None. none I'm kind of disappointed. I forgot about that one, but that, uh, I think that one, that one's a good one. I think we should definitely vote on that one. Yeah, we should definitely talk about it. I I I think it's interesting. Didn't we vote on rules prior to the draft? I think we did it on draft day. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like the it was, we we talked about it, voted on rule changes, then went to the draft, right? Right. Yeah. We've always talked about doing it the Friday of, which I think is probably a better idea. But but I feel like we're all so excited and giddy that we just don't want to be held in a room for, you know. Right. But and I mean, we're in the age of technology. Bennett can send out one of these things, and we can vote and do it on our own time, and 
That's true. Get it done before we get there. Which is not I a bad idea. Leave all the shenanigans for there. It's such a it's such a shit show when we have like lobbying for the rules. It's just a mess. Yeah, and then there's, there's, yeah, there's always lobbyists. You get persuaded one way or the other. But. It's great. One other thing that we I, I should talk this up on draft weekend, but I was making me think about like activities. Is I really hope we do the team trivia that Tom did last year. Oh, that was fun. Loved that. I hope that comes back, Tom. If you're listening, please do the trivia. Thought it was fun. Nice little. And we'll have the space for it. What? And we'll have the space for it. We'll have a great point. We'll have plenty of space. I also think it's a really good like pre gaming activity before we go to the casino. You know. Yeah, that's good. Great. There you go, Tom. Help us out. Well, anyway, so as we're moving on here, I know we're, we haven't, I mean, I can't have you or Gertz on and not talk about the Bengals. Um, Let's go. Okay. A lot to talk about here, and the Bengals are really hot. We'll start with probably the biggest ticket item, Burrow's headspace. How concerned are you? What are you thinking about him? How are you, How does his comments affect your love of him and your prediction for the Bengals as a team this year well nothing's gonna affect my love for him i am I, i'm in, i'm totally in love with joe burrow he's he's our guy he's our leader and he's the future of our franchise our future of our franchise so so nothing yeah locked in great I, i'm locked in on burrow i love burrow um his headspace you know that's a tough thing to come back from man it, it is it's you know you, that is it's hard to touch on that point of the game. You know, he has all the arm strength in the world and he's got a good head, head on his shoulders, but like, it's scary when you're in the pocket there with all those big men diving around your knees, you know? Yeah. It's human instinct to protect yourself. So I'm a little nervous of how that's going to play out, but I'm sure he's getting that all straightened out. Um, to talk about that a little bit more, I mean, we've got a couple... He hasn't taken a snap yet in the preseason. Right. I think our net, I think we have we have two preseason games before we hit the Vikings week one. Okay. We've got we've got we've got the Washington football team, and we've got the Miami Dolphins. Um, I if if Chase Young is playing in the preseason when we play the when we play Washington, I I I, I would be fine holding Joe Burrow out. I, I mean, he he is he is not a force to mess with. Nope. He's he's gonna get to the quarterback and he's gonna lay a lick on him. And correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's who he got injured to last year. Ooh, good question. I don't. I think you're right. Now that you say that, honestly. So I think. I mean, there might be. You know, he might be hearing footsteps during that game. So I, I wouldn't mind holding him out of that. But I think he's got to get some snaps before before Minnesota. So I would like to see him, if Chase Young is playing um, in, for Washington in, in the preseason, I wouldn't mind holding him out there. But I want to see him get some snaps against the Dolphins before we take the, take the Vikings week one. I agree. I think you got to get some I, – I do think that this whole Burrow thing, it's revealed like – you know, I feel like we live in this – like KD can tear his Achilles, like – yeah, and also I can confirm it was the Redskins or Washington football team. So great call by you. But what I wanted to say is that th- what is so interesting around the like these torn ACLs, torn Achilles is that I almost feel like we've gotten desensitized. Like with modern medicine now, like guys come back from these things so much quicker that 
like, I think we almost take for granted how catastrophic these injuries are. And, like, they do take a lot of time to come back from, you know. And I think we've yeah. just kind of grown used to that. But I don't think it's, like, it's just not a, it's just not a for sure thing no matter, like, how far how far medicine progresses. You know, it is difficult. Like you said, like, it's just these are big people who are trying to hurt you, hit you, coming at you. Like, that's it's tough, you know. Right. And they'll grab at anything to get you down. They don't care if you've had an injury. You right. know, they're not. Yeah. So... With him being the future of our franchise, I want to keep him keep him safe. Yeah. But but it's tough. On the flip side of the coin, he's got to get the snaps in. He does. You're right about that. Especially his first game, his first game cannot be week one. Like, you have to have some sort of, like, conditioning in prior because he's got to – I mean, like, you know, he hasn't played in – you know, hasn't played in a while. Like, he's got to get the yips out prior, you know. Right, right. I want to see him get, you know, not hit hard, hit softly, and get back up. Yep, I agree. Got it. It's just big for the mental. He's got to. He's got to get hit. You know. Yep, I completely agree. And you know, I think it, it brings up an interesting topic too. Someone else who I think is 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 getting a lot is Jamar Chase. So first off, I think you were a Jamar Chase fan over Penny Sewell, right? From the jump, where because or was it Gertz or I forget? Because you guys were split on that, right? Yeah, I would have rather seen. I would have rather us taking Penny, but. Um... I think Joe Burrow definitely had a say in that. He wanted his guy. Yeah, I agree. I don't think they're taking that pick without Joe Burrow's blessing. I mean, yeah, there's a million weapons to throw to now, which is great, but is he going to have time to throw? I don't know. Yeah, I mean... We, it's, do, have, we, have, we do have our first-round pick from last year coming back, that offensive lineman from Alabama, oh, Jonah Williams, I think yep, his name is. That's who it is. Great call. And that's... I mean, they lost him last year. That was a big loss. I... I have. Have you read the stuff about Jamar Chase where he, he was maybe a few drops, struggling to get some separation? Do you think that's just training camp bullshit, yeah. or any 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 concern there? I mean, not too much concern yet. He he was ripping off some plays during the during training camp, but I mean, you're a wide receiver, you gotta catch the ball. Yep. It'll be interesting. I, I actually I read an interesting piece around um, kind of like the how we evaluate wide receiver talent in that like you have guys like Jalen Waddle, Justin Jefferson, who are more like your speed, wiry framed guys. And those guys typically acclimate much better to the NFL. Like speed and agility and acceleration translates much better if you're fast, you're fast. And they were saying that guys like Jamar Chase, Kevin White, who was a Bears guy, who's I hate Jamar Chase is much better than Kevin White, but guys who um can't who are rely more on their physicality and just being bigger and stronger that those guys li- usually take a little bit more time to get acclimated they're not as good the year one they kind of got to get their feet underneath them a little bit more so i've seen that posited as, as perhaps why chase might not have looked as good early on but we'll see i don't know i don't know what, how much truth there is in that but i heard that and i thought it was kind of an interesting take yeah that checks out in my head i mean people are definitely bigger faster stronger in the nfl so we will see. I mean, the Bengals are, you know, I, I, I got to say, I really come at Zach Taylor's head, and there hasn't been a lot of pushback from the Bengals fans. Are you guys also, obviously you don't dislike him, but are you also a little bit like, eh, Zach Taylor, if he doesn't show up this year, let's kick him down the line? Or what's what's your read on him? I mean, let's give the guy a break. He hasn't had a ton to work with in his first two years. Very true. I think, he, I think he's... What is he? He's won six games in his first two years. Yeah, that's, six in his first two. That's not promising, but I mean, I don't love him yet. He hasn't shown me a lot, 
but I'm not I'm not ready to write him off just yet. I think consistency. I think we give him a couple more years. I think we give him the benefit of the doubt. Let him let him try to build something around Burrow, and then we can look to greener pastures if it's not working out. But it, it also depends who's out there. Who who are we gonna who are we gonna sign? Okay. Know? So in your mind, Zach Taylor, if the Bengals go three and fourteen this year, you're still like, hey Zach, come on back. There's no amount of unless they go like zero and seventeen. There's really no amount of games in which you're like, we got to cut him this year. It's, again, it just depends who's out there. You know, if there's a better, okay. if there's a better prospect out there, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against moving on. But okay. I think we got to let him play it out a little bit. Well, I just don't think it benefits a franchise to have rapid turnover rate at the head coach position. I agree. It's 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 tough. I mean, being a head coach, it's it's really hard because you have oftentimes. I feel like it's this reoccurring pattern where GMs and like the people who are making the operational decisions always keep their jobs, and then head coaches always get the axe. Where it's like, well, if you're giving me shit to work with, what am I supposed? You know, I can't. I can only work with what I've got. Type thing. You know. Totally agree. So I think that that I think that's always bothered me. Where it's like head coaches just have a smaller leash, which like I feel like GMs and head coaches should be about the same. But you're right. I think you're 100 right. And it, like Josh Rosen was had a bunch of new coaches. I mean, for young quarterbacks, like it's just they have to learn a new system. They have to learn a new cadence, and it's it's hard. Like it can really hurt right. development to get rid of coaches. I 100 percent agree with you there. Right. Right. So. We'll see how this year pans out. I've got high hopes for us, and you know, maybe we can sneak into a wild card spot. But we'll we'll see how it pans out. Great. I'm gonna love them no matter what. You will. You and Gertz are truly diehards. There is no no Fairweather fan in you guys. You guys are there through thick and thin. I love the Bengals. You do, and I and I love I love I love watching the Bengals. I do. They're in my life now. But so I guess. You know, I guess we're wrapping up on the Bengals. We, of course, we have a few segments that we gotta play. Um, oh yes. But before we get to those segments, fantasy football itself, teams, your research, what you're thinking this year, anything speaking to you, any any just high level takes around the year that you're kind of excited about from a fantasy perspective, whether it be the 17 game season or certain certain any just fantasy related topics that you're yeah. excited about. Yeah. Yeah, I'm wondering how the 17 game season is going to play out. That's going to be, you know, you got to play. You got to play for the long run this year. You do 17 games. It's great. I mean, why? I, I'm totally on board more for it. Football is never a bad thing. No, agreed. More football, the better. Can't wait for it. I think it'll be interesting to see. You know, I think the one thing that a lot of people have said and it'll be interesting to monitor is just if there is like an, an uptick in injuries. If like that next game really does like hurt. You know, if we do, I mean, I feel like injuries are just part of the game, so it'd have to be pretty exponential in terms of the number of injuries for it to really matter. But I've seen some folks think that you know it could really hurt the players, and it'll be interesting to see how that goes. You know. Yeah, that that is a good point. I didn't even think about that. But well, yeah, for, like from a fantasy per, fantasy perspective, I mean, I I just started doing my research this year, so I don't have like a bunch of nuggets to bestow on anyone. But I'm I'm excited for it. Me too, my man. I can't, I can't wait to see it. And uh, yeah, I think I think we have. I'll probably do one more pod before uh, we get to the year. But I mean, it's gonna be another great one. Can't wait to see everyone there. 
And uh, I think we what, could... What's, what's, your, what's your little nugget going to be on this pod? What are you highlighting this week? This week I'm highlighting... So this is the big one. This is the big sexy one I'm doing running backs. Um, so this one is... I am really... The thing is this year it's like, you know, I, I'll i give a lot going on. It, it's tough this year with running backs. Like I, I'll, I'll do the best I can talking through. I'll do my macro and micro level, but... Yep, that's the big one. And then I hope to do one more where I just kind of do high-level, like, talk around, like how I think about head coaches, coordinators, their movement, and how it impacts it. But those will be the four. But that'll be it. That will be it. And now we can do, uh, which I think is just, I mean, this will be the fourth year running of this. Uh, Of tried and true segment favorite, Dan drafted Monte Ball in the first round. Oh, let's get it. I love this. Love this, love the name of this segment. I literally, oh man, so my phone was dead, but I saw someone, I was at the uh, Vikings-Broncos, uh, yeah, it was the Vikings-Broncos preseason game, because I was in Minnesota, and, yeah, well, I was just, we were in Minnesota for a wedding, and then, like, our, we were staying with people who lived in downtown Minnesota, so, like, tickets were, like, uh, five bucks, so we just walked it, it was, like, super, it was a preseason game. Anyway, so... I saw a Monte Ball jersey. My phone was dead. I couldn't take a picture, but it warmed. I would have done anything. I literally was like, let's say, I kind of just want to go buy this jersey off this guy. I literally, because <laughs> uh, he was about Dan's size. But anyway, killed me. But fan favorite here. Let's get into it. So this first character. Um, so we'll go through his stats. So this particular individual was drafted in the fifth round. So he was the 20th running back off the board he had 97 carries 376 yards six touchdowns on the year he ended up being which comes out to about 5.4 fantasy points per game so not very good he ended up being the 40th best running back overall um so it was definitely a disappointing year for this individual um who do you think drafted this person? Wow, that's tough. Three ab- ab- abysmal three hundred and sixty-seven yards. Yes. So this is on the season. So this is the name of this player. It's Leonard Fournette. Wow. Leonard Fournette was drafted in the fifth round. <laughs> His first five rounds. Cody Sutton, James Fournette, Saquon Barkley, Zachers. I mean, you can't do much worse than that. I mean, I mean, someone someone's injury, he was five this season, and he was like, gosh, dang, no wonder he came back. Sorry, Bill, that's what happened to you, buddy. You lost it bad. Um, okay, well, wow, one for one. Well done, Spears. Um, so, this, so this next player, even worse than uh, Fournette. So this particular player had 82 carries for 328 yards. He Whoa. had two touchdowns on the year. Whoa. Wolf is right. So brings it down. His his average gate points per game was 4.3. He was the his he was taken in the middle of the fourth round. And he ended up being the 52nd running. So the middle of the fourth round puts him at about the 17th running back off the board. He ended up being, by the end of the year, the 52nd running back. Um, Wasn't bit by injuries too much, 
he played 12 games, so, you know, it wasn't too bad. Um, this player is Le'Veon Bell. Oh, damn. Oh, my gosh. You nailed them both. I'm a steel trap. <laughs> Didn't even miss a beat. How did you memorize Dan drafted Le'Veon Bell? I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. I just kind of remembered that he was hyped on him about going to the, the Chiefs. Well, actually, it was me. I don't know if Dan was, too. I thought Dan had got rid of him by then. Because I thought he, he didn't end up, he didn't stay on Dan's team. I thought. I thought when he was traded to the Chiefs, he wasn't on Dan's team. But regardless, I was super into him when he went to the Chiefs. And then oh, he's, you're right. He didn't start off on the Chiefs. He was on the Jets, yeah. Just, right, right, right. And then he, then they traded him mid-year, and I was like, oh, man, huge. Like, Le'Veon Bell and that system, holy cow, he's going to have, you know, he's going to average five yards a carry and a couple touchdowns, and whew, did not turn out like that. Looks 100% washed. Yeah, that, that, that one's not good to look back on. No, that's a tough one. So Dan drafted Monte Ball in the first round, is concluded with a Dan drafted uh, <laughs> Le'Veon Bell in the fourth. So there we go. Well, there we go. That concludes another segment of Dan Draft Monte Ball. Uh, I just love those. I, I know. Like, always great. Always great. Uh, Spears, before I let you go, is there anything else you want to let the league know that now is your time to kind of get anything off your chest you'd like to talk about? No, man. Nothing really Nothing really pressing on my end. I'm just excited to see you guys all in uh, Colorado and looking forward to another great year and getting fantasy back in our lives. I feel you, man. Let's see. What are we at now? 13 days? Is that right? Wow. That is coming up quick. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's literally one, two... 15 days. 15? Yeah, you're right. 15 days. Wow. 15 days. For the... Till the best weekend of the year. Uh, best weekend of the year, boys. Let's get it. I, uh, I can't wait to see him, my man. Congrats on being a doctor again. That is awesome. Congrats on the move to Chicago. And, uh... I'll see you in 15 days. Hopefully I'm not on a toilet anytime soon. <laughs> Hell yeah, homie. Can't wait to see